This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast. You know, I don't usually like female comedians, but I guess you are good. And I would always respond with, and my opening bit was, uh, I don't usually like idiots. And that's always going to be true. There was a freedom to being a, a pregnant woman on stage, cussing like a sailor at the time. I mean, like, it was like a minute introduction of how hideous I was because, only because I had said, please don't comment on how I look. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast with your host, Dina Nina. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's I Love Funny Women podcast. I am your host, Dina Nina, and we are sending out a huge thank you to Sarah Lilac and Peaches27, who left us glowing reviews over on Apple Podcasts. You guys are amazing. If you're listening and you're liking or loving or just moderately amused by the podcast, we would be so grateful if you'd leave us a five-star rating, because ratings and reviews are how we hack the algorithm and get more visibility. And hey, if you don't like it, We still love you. We would absolutely love to hear from you. So go on over to Instagram, post a video with a rant, a comment, or just anything. And tag at I Love Funny Women with the hashtag HeyDina. And you could be on the podcast or on our YouTube. Also, we're getting closer to Mother's Day and we're looking for some funny mothers. If you're a funny mother or you have a funny mother, no matter if she's a comedian, a nurse, a lunch lady... We want to hear from her. Tag us with a video of your funny mother with the hashtag HeyDina and hashtag FunnyMother and you and your mom could win an I Love Funny Women gift bag. But make sure that you submit before May 3rd. Hey all you funny women, it's Door Girl Greg and I'm here to say thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. And if you haven't yet, go over to the socials. Go to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or even YouTube and check out at I Love Funny Women. Do it now. Do it. Do it and I'm going to pour sparkles all over you. So this week is going to be a little bit more serious than usual. So brace yourself. It's less news and more of a rant. So in the I Love Funny Women news... It seems like every week there's another mass shooting in this country. CNN reported that there were actually 45 mass shootings from March 16th to April 16th. That is 45 mass shootings in one month. Biden yet again calls for stricter gun laws as Republicans continue to say now is not the time. Well, when is the time? How many people have to die senselessly to garner real solutions? Well, the answer seems to be that we don't care. This speaks to the deeper issue of violence and gun culture in our country. While conservatives freak out about abortions and trans kids, people are taking guns and going out and shooting people. And we're more concerned about trans kids playing sports and using the restroom that corresponds to their gender. They rant and rave about baby killers and say that they're pro-life as they shrug off gun violence. Let's be very, very clear. If you protest abortion clinics in the name of life and you're fighting the satanic cabal to save children from a huge government-ran pedophile ring that really doesn't even exist, but you're wringing your hands and wanting to protect your right to bear arms and not pushing for gun reform, then you're absolutely and one million percent not pro-life. If you're more upset and angry that you have to wear a fucking mask during a global pandemic than you are about people stockpiling guns 
then you are 1 million percent not pro-life. If you're on board with legislation that would prohibit trans children from being a part of school activities and keeping them from getting medical treatment that could prevent them from killing themselves while bolstering fear of these children that cause others to enact violence against them for simply wanting to feel like they're normal, then you are 1 million percent not pro-life. As we grapple with these issues, our dear friend Marjorie Taylor Greene is teaming up with Representative Paul Gosser and joined by the infamous Matt Gates to form the America First Caucus. And if you thought they were going to conceal their ickiness through veiled and subtle phrasing, you would be absolutely 100% wrong. In their policy platform document under the immigration section, they say, quote, America is a nation with a border and a culture strengthened by a common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. And under infrastructure, quote, the America First Caucus will work towards infrastructure that reflects the architectural, engineering, and aesthetic value that befits the progeny of European architecture. So, white. You guys, we've all seen how this ends. The global COVID death rates are at a staggering 3 million deaths. Almost 19% of those deaths are Americans. Hey, we're still in a pandemic, you guys. Nearly 20% of our population has been vaccinated, but with the pause on the J&J vaccine, many are concerned about the risks associated with it. You guys, we eat processed food. Some of us drink diet sodas like they're going out of style, and we're worried about risks associated with vaccines after over 566,000 people have died. Last week, Representative Jim Jordan faced Dr. Fauci, and here's what it sounded like. What measures have to be attained before Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just told you that. I know you haven't given anything specific. You said, we hope when this... Tell me specifically. Right now, now we have about 60,000 infections a day, which is a very large risk for a surge. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. And I get that. We're talking about. And I don't disagree with that. And I understand how serious that is. Look, the American people's liberties are not being stolen. We are in a pandemic. If he really understood that over 566,000 people have lost their lives due to this pandemic, that, mind you, could have been mitigated with an appropriate response at the beginning. If you're worried about liberties, then what about the people's right to life? Your response, Mr. Jordan, is part of the reason why these people have died. Your response, Mr. Jordan, is part of the reason that over 566,000 families have to mourn the loss of a parent, a sibling, a partner, and you're more worried about allowing your constituency to go to church? Look, I'm a spiritual person. I know the value of gathering with your faith community but I can worship by myself and with my community online, in my home. Your right to pursue your spiritual path is not prohibited by not being able to gather. If you truly had faith, you'd care more about the people in your family and your community than going to a building. You'd care more about the people in your family and community by wearing a mask and socially distancing more than going to a building. Trust me, this is not easy for any of us. But this is a pandemic. The one good thing that came out of this is this moment right here. What does it have to be? Expire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. Maxine Waters winning the week here. 
Now let's go on over to our resident sextrologist, Renee Hyden. Welcome to the Taurus party. This week, the Sun, Mercury, Venus, and Uranus go to the Electric Forest Festival. And the femme goddess Taurus comes into her glorious, grounded, horned divinity. I'm your resident sextrologist, Renee Hyden, and welcome back to this week's Sex with the Stars. Starting on the 19th, the Sun, Mercury, Venus, and Uranus move into the Taurus EDM dance party. It's time for love, glorious love. This all happens in the 8th house, getting you ready for merging. It's time to focus on stability with self and others. We have greater energetic determination to merge as our minds and hearts become one. Get into union with yourself. Love your body and meld unhinderedly with yourself and with partners. Be free, dear ones. I'm free! I'm free! With sun in the house, it's time to be truly seen. Those of you who are monogamous, this is prime time for you to cultivate and grow your love for that one person, even if it is yourself. Unique, rebel love is on the mind. Unleash your inner nymph, grab your satyr, and ride him to Hades and Back. We're going on a journey. Taurus is the femme goddess who demands to be fed grapes and fanned by hot humans. Why are you not worshipping me? Taurians are astrologically engineered for this physical union, so love and sex are one in the same. Oh my god, same Z's. On the 25th, this constellation is square with Jupiter in Aquarius, so be careful, because what may feel like intuition could be impetuousness. For those who are woo-woo, bring it back down to the 3D earthly plane and focus on the mundane so that you can meet you and your partners in the groundedness. The sky is going to support you, so if you're single and vaccinated, maybe take a calculated risk to go out and get plugged. If you're a Taurus, this is your season, so put aside your need to achieve and allow yourself to be pampered. The bull woman is ready to be the temptress and lure a special someone into their hollow and to elevate them to God or goddesshood as the perfect counterpart to their internal deity. I'm your resident sextrologist, Renee Hyden, and this has been a glorious sex with the stars. Back to you, Dina. Thank you so much, Renee. You can find Renee on Instagram at Renee Hyden Soul Therapy, and her website is ReneeHydenSoulTherapy.com. This is Door Girl Greg, and you're listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. And if you looked at me right now, I'd be twirling around like a fucking fairy. You guys, I'm so excited. This week, we have a comedy powerhouse, someone who I respect so much. She's been a host on WGN Radio, and you've seen her in the movie I Want Someone to Eat Cheese With, and on the TV series My Life is a Joke. Please welcome Patty Vasquez. Thank you for having me. I miss you. It's been so long since we've been in person. I know. Like, I just want to grab you and hug you. (laughs) And not in a creepy way like that. Like, I don't... (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll be so out of practice by the time we we'll like, I know, like hug? <laughs> why are my arms like this when i'm trying to hug you <laughs> what is happening <laughs> so you're based in chicago uh-huh. and i met you at chicago women's funny festival and then uh have worked with you off and on there as mm-hmm. well as zany's 
How did you get into comedy? I was obsessed with comedy when I was little, uh, you know, watching Johnny Carson, listening to Bob Newhart and George Carlin, Richard Pryor. And, you know, some of them, there weren't that many women and it never occurred to me. And so I, maybe that's why I didn't think of doing stand-up comedy myself until I was in grad school and I saw Margaret Cho. I hated grad school. I loved Margaret Cho. <laughs> I loved, <laughs> I loved what she uh, pre really represented, the daughter of immigrants, uh, a woman who was telling you the, the inflicted pain by strangers, uh, you know, the sort of. The things that really you didn't see anyone talking about on stage. And really, uh, Margaret Cho was my inspiration to get into stand-up comedy at the age of 22 right here in Chicago. I so love I, it. I went to open mics. I went, You know when you go to open mics. If you go for the first time dreaming of being a stand-up comic, imagining yourself on whatever late-night show, and you go to an open mic, you're like, oh, I could do that. You know? <laughs> like, I think that's like, what is the thing you can do? The late yeah, shows might yeah. seem impossible when you're starting out but if you go somewhere you're like okay that's that's doable yeah yeah <laughs> i'm all late night shows still feel impossible um <laughs> yeah 25 years in <laughs> <laughs> exactly. tell me how to do it where do i go is there a sign-up sheet <laughs> right <laughs> did i miss that casting call <laughs> we keep knocking on the door hello no that's my voice too high pitched okay i'm standing outside of all the casting directors houses with like a big boom box like <laughs> <laughs> saying it i'm old apparently no say anything i got jockeys yeah, i yeah. got there no nope. um so you how do you juggle being a mother mm -hmm. and being a stand-up comic and doing all the things that you do radio personality running for office uh, one person, my husband. <laughs> I should be two. To be fair, my mom uh, also has carried a lot of the weight when it came through all of that. My career, um, having kids. But I didn't become a headliner until I was pregnant, really. I mean, I had headlined a few clubs, but uh, that was the, for whatever reason, there was a freedom to being a, a pregnant woman on stage, cussing like a sailor at the time, and uh, having a blast, and, and really kind of not caring uh, about what audiences thought, because I was making a person, I guess. <laughs> there was a lot of confidence <laughs> built in. But my husband is incredibly supportive. So I am, I'm, uh, it's not easy for people who are uh, without somebody who really is invested, because I've seen uh, relationships end, careers end, because their loved one doesn't trust them on the road, doesn't understand why they always have to be out at open mics, or uh, I can't really get in tune with the energy that, is involved with doing comedy because I zone out. You must do this when a show, like whether it's at night or later in the week and you start thinking about it, we start zoning out from conversations and mm -hmm. my husband would be like, Oh, you're in show mode. And he gets that. But I don't think a lot of people can, you know, ego takes over when people see someone so driven to do something. It's hard on their, their, uh, emotional, uh, well-being. So I, I'm very uh, well supported by my husband. My boys are, are great. And my mom, uh, you know, owns the building I live in. So when things oh, perfect. got tough, yep. <laughs> when things got tough, I, you know, I maybe skip a month or two in rent. So that's a really lucky part of it. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I love that. So you get into show mode way before a show, like I did it yesterday. Uh, my husband and I were out walking and, uh, he could see me moving my lips. <laughs> right. He could see that I was like, try, I haven't tried a lot of new material in, uh, you know, 
in a long time, really. I've been trying every week. I've been doing a three minute set on a digi digital show. You know, mm -hmm. I uh, used to hate when people would do these two minute showcases, and yet that's how you audition sometimes for a lot of these networks or agents that are looking for late night comics. And so I've only been doing three sets of entirely three minute sets every single week of all new material, which I hadn't done for years because I would if I was to do new three minutes, I would tuck it in the middle of a forty five minute or an hour set. So yeah. now I'm so now yeah, my husband will catch me like I don't only do them on Thursdays, but yesterday he saw me going, you know, he can see my lips maybe like if I'm a damage man. <laughs> I don't even know what joke I was working on. <laughs> I That's am so, so shiny today. Look at this. You, I mean, like, I you feel look, like I didn't finish getting ready for you. <laughs> I would call it dewy. You look dewy and dewy. gorgeous. You are glowy, dewy, gorgeous. I'll, I will take that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, I, I'm like one of those complimentary, comp complimentary hackers, hacklers. <laughs> like I'm like, you are so good, honey. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, you're interrupting my set. Um, well, you bring up a good point, and I don't. I, I you know, when you when you talk about support, I, you know, in our you and I in our careers and knocking on mm -hmm. those doors, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, in our industry for a long time, the most successful comics were always the mean ones, and I think that that was very uh, hard for me, uh, because that just wasn't. I would get calls to do roasts. Will you come and roast this for someone's birthday party or another comic? And I would go, Can I just go and talk about how much I like them and do sort of a can I be a cheer roast or a toast you know and uh <laughs> because if you weren't mean mean it was uh something that have you seen this uh interview with sarah silverman where she talks about paris hilton um mm. pushing back against how harsh sarah was on her and the aughts and sarah said that was what we were expected to do to be mean if you see those uh, the successful women of the last 20 years, Chelsea Handler, Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer, their comedy comes often from a place of meanness. And that was called edgy mm -hmm. instead of mean. And I think yeah. now we're starting to see that. But that, that's been really hard for me. So I, I appreciate your kind words because yeah, I think that totally. that's you know, helpful. I, I and I've kind of taken that if I'm gonna be mean to anyone, it's gonna be to myself, you know, yes. like like and I grew up in the LGBT bar, the gay bars, you know, like where everybody was like reading everybody for filth, like and and that was just not my shtick. I didn't love that. Yeah. Um, I had one joke that was so mean, and it was it's so dated now, but like it was about Jennifer Hudson. Right. And I would giggle so hard because it was so contrary to who I was. And it was so funny and dark for me that every time I got on stage, I would giggle. And then the response would be like, oh, she did it. She she did go there. You know, like it was. Right, right. It was, <laughs> so I understand that. That and, energy is like, is it? Yeah. It, it, and I think you can lean into it and then it builds on itself. And if you, in, it's a way to write and, and when it's um supported or reinforced by being hired or being paid more than or being on tv you know that's or being paid do that? yeah you know, and, and i look back and i'm like could i have done it differently like sarah says in this uh piece that she did that you couldn't do comedy with a heart let me tell you something that was my bio my bio would say the headline was comedy with heart and it, it could be done just it, not in the successful ways that other people expect, you know, success to come for comics. But for me, I, I, I'm pretty happy with the way things turned out so far. You're great. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I love you know, it. 
I, I, this show, <laughs> this show is essentially just me telling everybody how much I love them. It's Aww, just like, like I think I'm they're honored. so talented and so funny, and I've said that on every show. But I just, when I met you, I felt that warmth. I felt that connection, unlike I do with a lot of people. Like I, I meet a lot of people, and then I, I end up loving them. But like you, I just felt embraced and warmth, Aww, like encompassed me. <laughs> Yay! I'm glad to hear that. That's because you don't always know, right? We go, we move through our lives, and we don't know how we, in, we touch somebody in an emotional way uh, or impact them. And you know, look, have I done things that people uh, will tell you that I was horrible? Um, <laughs> we could talk about loyalty. I'm fiercely loyal, but mm -hmm. I'm one of those people where if things, if you're gonna take advantage of a situation of our kindness then uh the opposite i am as fiercely um uh vengeful mm, <laughs> i would mm. say like it's ugly because yeah. if, if, if i give you everything i've got and that's you know th then you take advantage of that or throw it back in a way that is vindictive then i i don't have time for that yeah amen yeah. i so i am very taurus like if you you can do me wrong once and i'll be like cool it was a bad day whatever do it again yep. and i'm like okay this is kind of a touchy situation the third time if you never apologize you are dead to me i you don't exist and i i don't i don't talk shit about you but i will disappear you will disappear from my existence <laughs> <laughs> mine is more of a like is this happening it, it's sort of the bad behavior starts you know bad behavior meaning being disrespectful i worked with somebody who would be like you know would do something wrong and i would check them on it and they'd be like oh get over it move on you know don't you know uh why are you telling our bosses that this is a situation i'm like because i can't believe it you're not doing your job so it, it mine comes starts with this belief and once i i absorb it i'm like we are done this is <laughs> yeah that's it you're like yeah. active vengeance mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. So you pull a lot of your, and you're so you're pretty clean for the most part, which I'm so not. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because the reputation I had for a long time, and because I grew at Zanies and they're particular, you know, Bert was always very particular about clean comedy. They would uh, brand me as often uh, dirtier than uh, other one more than guy comics, and dirtier than you know. There were a lot of women out there doing far dirtier things that they were booking. And I would push back on that because the owner of Zanies was my manager. I'm like, look, you know my act. I am not, I guess in the maybe early 2000s, it seemed dirtier. But uh, no, I, I think there's room for all kinds of comedy. I, I definitely, mm -hmm. uh, I remember opening for Brian Regan at Zanies. And they made a big deal about how I needed to be clean and you better, you know, we'll take you off the show. And and Brian was like disappointed in them because he was like, let Patty do her show. I can... A good headliner can follow pretty much anything. If a club yeah. has put up somebody who's really dirty and isn't a right fit, that's because they didn't book the show properly, mm -hmm. right? If, if there's a rhythm to the show that you want that, and there's a different tone, then build that from the opening act, the feature act, so that the headliner doesn't have to do more work, but they can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just remember every time I went on stage at Zany's, it was like, I don't know if I'm going to say anything that's going to like make people go, oh, and I felt like the cringing from the back of the room. Oh, the back of the room? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's and that's the thing is that uh, it's always so funny. You've heard, you know, comics who are really good at playing the back of the room. 
it's the insiders, right? The yeah. uh, the industry people. But at Zany's, uh, you know, again, I love my club. There was always this mystery to it of what's, you know, what, what, what is the energy in the back of the room? Because it's so disjointed from the energy of the front of the room. But I, you, we were always great at the, and it is funny. I wish I had told them to change the name because it wasn't my show. I hosted yeah. it for, I had the longest running showcase at Zany's. And um, I asked him, I even went in and asked him to bring it back. I said, let's, let's do a show. Uh, he didn't want to do a big showcase show. I said, let's do a smaller contained show for women and, uh, and call it uh, Stand Up Women. And yeah. something different. But Female Funny is looking back at it. I wish I'd pushed on that name a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, it was such a fun show to do. Everybody, like all the women that came on that show were just, I, I just felt like, oh, this is great. This is, And I feel like I only want to work with women always. Wasn't it great? Yes. It's so good. Yep. And, and I started a lot of those shows, uh, almost all of them, because we would have, you know, a lot of the, 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 the people on the show bringing friends. We also had a lot of tourists and so why, you know, and then you still have these people like, why does it have to be an all-woman show? Well, I'll tell you, every week a woman walks off stage in a comedy club to an audience member that says, you know, I don't usually like female comedians, but I guess you are good. And I would always respond with, and my opening bit was, uh, I don't usually like idiots, and that's always going to be true. <laughs> I mean, why tell us that you don't like, and why, you know, and here's the thing, uh, we have to do it because people so categorize us that way. And if they complain to a club manager, that club manager is less likely to book more women because they see drinks not being bought. They see tickets not being bought. If they, I've had people tell me they saw my name on a, on a marquee and they almost didn't go to the show because they didn't want to see a woman on stage. They're not shy about saying that. Yeah. It's so insane. But we're still there. Still we're, there. Yeah. It's not getting any better. I think one of the things, so I did one of the first things I did in Chicago when I moved to the Midwest from LA on purpose um, <laughs> was Chicago Women's Funny Festival. Mm -hmm. And there, it felt like a relief because as a female identified as female comics, we go into showcases with all men and you never know what they're going to say oh. uh, on stage or off stage. You yeah. never know if somebody's gonna, you know, show their dick pardon my language <laughs> uh, true story thank you doug stanhope yeah repeatedly yep <laughs> so it was so nice to have that relaxed feeling yeah and it wasn't about competition it was just about hey we're in this room together and we're making magic and here are these stories yeah i agree yeah when you talk about uh what they're gonna say on the stage <laughs> i I had so many intros throughout my career. Um, you know, the next comic coming to the stage is a woman. We've got a lady comic. Uh, and then it would be, you know, and I was young. Uh, like I said, I started when I was 22. And um, you know, I didn't grow up thinking I was pretty or cute. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was all white. I was the only Latina in my grade school. Um, they called me exotic and ethnic, but never, like, pretty. I didn't have boyfriends until... Uh, like late in high school and really uh, didn't grow that confidence until college. So it was weird to be brought up on stage as hot, uh, sexy, um, all these things. And I remember I was doing, and, it, and it, would, it would just always make me stop. Like, 
because you have this momentum walking toward the stage as you're being introduced, and it would, no matter how many times it would happen, it would just be like, that has nothing to do with the comedy that I do. And I would see people, like, turn to look and, and like, is she? And women check out or be, feel competitive. But the worst one ever was I was um, – there was a, a showcase, so I was doing the the TBS the TBS Very Funny Show, my first national television appearance, and I was going in. We were all kind of working on our sets the night before, so we had the timing right, so that the network could see what our material was. And they told us, they said, "Do the exact material you're going to do for the show, because uh, we want to time it out and make sure it all works." So I at, I was in you know that little foyer at Zany's they have like I'm, I have to plug in my computer but otherwise it'd be a horrible like and what else happened next? <laughs> um, yeah, there's that little foyer behind that curtain next to the stage and the MC, um, and it was a comic a, a black comic who had opened for Indigo Girls and I don't so I I think I remember his name I'm pretty sure I do but. Um, I, I said, I turned to goes, what do you want me to say when I introduce you? I go, just do me a favor and don't say anything about how I look. Like, like I didn't, because even then, even 10, 12 years ago, it was still hard for me to say to somebody, please don't tell people that I'm pretty or that I'm attractive or whatever it is. And, um, and he goes on stage and he goes, all right, everybody, this next comedian coming to the stage, she is, are we swearing on your podcast? Yeah, swear, okay. swear away. All right, so he goes on stage and he goes, all right, everybody, we got this next woman coming to the stage. I got to tell you, she is fucked up in the face. I mean, you, if you, when you see her, you're going to be like, oh, damn. He goes, but you got to remember, like, you got to think about it, right? You Like, if you see a Corvette, like a beautiful Corvette, but it's covered in bird shit, but you know there's something beautiful underneath. And he, I mean, like, it was like a minute introduction of how hideous I was. Because only because I had said, please don't comment on how I look. And it was it was such a weird way to punish me as though, oh, you think you're beautiful. I'm like, you know, you can't explain to somebody. No, I have a career of almost 20 years of not liking the way that feels when you discuss what I look like on stage. Because I've had it from my how my boobs look, how my ass looks, how, you know, I just it's. But all I simply asked was, please don't comment on how I look. And he and my and I walked on stage and everyone was like, and I couldn't comment on it because the time, like the we were already starting the stopwatch. I just went right into my material, and it was, I I, I don't know how I made it through that ten minutes. Oh of man, just staring at me like, what was he talking about? Yeah, that is so ridiculous. It was bad. That was the worst one ever. Uh, I had a lot. Like, there's always a tranny joke. Oh, almost every time before I go on stage, there's always a trans joke. And I'm I'm just like, especially at the beginning of my career when I started in L.A., because like there were like two of us on the circuit or anywhere. And I remember getting every time there would be something. And I'm like, first of all, you ruined my first joke. Second of all, yes, you're a dick. (laughs) You know, it's terrible. And then add on like the whole sexism that comes from it. it's so insane yes i i remember i was in uh, myrtle beach south carolina i was the feature act and the mc was from north carolina and he was such a pompous jerk and he hated the headliner and it was bordering on racism the headliner was black and he um he would go on stage and and uh he gave the headliner just a terrible intro he would just like not say say it the way the headliner asked but the headliner never mentioned anything well the last night of the week the managers had gone out of town 
and the headliner finished, and he didn't do very well. We only had like 12, 15 people in the audience, so it wasn't a great set. You know, we weren't feeling great about it. It was Black Biker Weekend, so it was very strange in Myrtle Beach, and you know, and the club was a part, on part of a strip where it was, there was a lot of traffic, so people weren't going to go there that night. So the MC goes on stage, pulls a chair with him, goes on stage, and turn, sits down on the chair backwards. He goes, funny's funny, y'all, but holy shit, what was that? After the headliner leaves the room. And I didn't say anything to the owners, but the owners fired him that night. They Someone called them and told them what had happened. And he came in yelling at me because we had to stay in the same comedy condo. He goes, Vasquez, you fucking little snitch, you. And I was like, dude, I didn't say anything to them but you screwed this up on your own. He goes, what? I'm supposed to go up there. And, you know, I'm the MC. I'm supposed to be funny. I go, no, you know what? As the MC, honestly, you get my name right. You make sure that the audience is facing in the right direction and that they've had their first drink before the feature act comes up. That's your job. And if you get laughs, bonus round. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like your job yeah. is to make sure that the rest of the show goes smoothly because it's not easy. The MC spot is the hardest. They've come in cold. They've been waiting. Maybe it's Friday. They've worked all week. They just spent $25 on a, a valet, $100 on dinner. Like they're not in a great mood. You don't you're not going to necessarily have the greatest out, out of the gate, but this need to prove yourself or be funnier or or to take advantage of a situation where they can be mean to you. This goes back to that meanness. Like why? Yeah. Why? why? You're there to hype up everyone and keep everyone engaged and excited yes. about who's coming next yes. and excited about who just went like yep. that's your job that was this is you know yes. yep yeah warm them up yeah. yeah get them excited make them love it yep. make them love the next person they may not love you <laughs> oh the 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 make them love the next person but man and sometimes there'll be someone who will have to make a commentary on your set afterwards have you had that oh yeah why I don't know. Jesus. Yeah, I had and a... then those people that are always like, oh, well, I thought everybody was saying that you were funny. And I'm like, <laughs> I had an off night. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody. You know, well, like, this is Corpus hard enough. Christi, Corpus Christi, Texas is always an off night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. This hair is bothering me, by the way. I know that like, oh. some of, a lot of this is podcast. I'm like, God, I'm donating. Look at how long this hair is from I quarantine. I love it. I'm going to cut 10 inches off on Thursday to donate. Um, <laughs> I would cut 10 inches off and they would be like, um, it's all dead. <laughs> I'm like, fair. What is this? What is this? Oh, yeah. Patty, it's been so fun having you on the show and thank reconnecting. You. Yeah. Thank Cannot you. wait to see you. I look forward to seeing you too. Thank you for having me. Of course. What do you have coming up and where can people find you? Um, I'm going to actually starting, uh, tomorrow and I know whenever this is airs. So every Tuesday night on my Facebook page, the Patty Vasquez show, I'm starting a new, uh, Facebook live conversation, comedy condo. Yes. And, and have you stayed a comedy condo? I have not, but that's You've never so stayed a comedy never. condo. Uh, that's all right. I'll still have you on. Can we talk about your career? So for people who don't know comedians, uh, throughout our careers, a lot of comedy clubs don't, uh, get us hotel rooms. They rent apartments and usually not in great parts of the of the city. And they make us shack up together for a week. It doesn't matter that we've never met. Doesn't matter that we have different genders and different needs in the bathroom. Uh, and the standards of keeping these places clean are not often the best. Uh, so a lot of us have uh, some good stories about things we've seen on the road. And it's also a way to learn about comics and their careers. So it's just it's just a way to sort of frame it. 
So that starts uh, every uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central on the Patty Vasquez Show. And you can go to my face, my uh, webpage is uh, the Patty V Show, and that's Patty with an I. And, um, yeah, every Friday night I do whiskey and a cookie, talk about politics and all the big yes. stories in the news. Because if you're going to talk about that stuff, you need something sweet and something hard to take it. It's true. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, Patty. Thank you so much. I miss you. Be I well. Miss you. You too. Thanks so much for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. You can find us on all the social media at I Love Funny Women and find us on YouTube. The podcast is written by me, Dina Nina Martinez, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dina Nina Martinez and on Twitter at Dina and Martinez. Find our glamorous door girl, Greg, on Instagram at GG Potter, and our guest, Patty Vasquez, can be found on Instagram at Patty Vasquez Shy. And our announcer, Krista Garner, can be found on Instagram at Krista Garner. This is an Artemis Glow Studio production in association with Crossover Media and AMG.